0: Tatasa Vismaya Visto Krista Roma Pranam Ya sirasa Devam Pitanjalir Abhasita Then, bewildered and astonished, his hair standing on end, Arjuna bowed his head to offer obeisances and with folded hands began to pray to the Supreme Lord. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto We left off last week, and I'll just read again text 12. I'm going to read the texts for a series of verses to put everything kind of in perspective and then I specifically want to talk about the verse we chanted and uh, we'll go on from there. We'll start with text 12. If hundreds of, tho- hundreds of thousands of suns were to rise at once into the sky their radiance might resemble the effulgence of the supreme person in that universal form. It's interesting that in the uh, translation of Prabhupada chooses the word might, they might resemble. They couldn't really fully resemble, but it gives us some indication of how, how amazing the universal form that Arjuna is experiencing is. At that time, Arjuna could see in the universal form of the Lord the unlimited expansions of the universe situated in one place, although divided into many, many thousands. Then, bewildered and astonished, his hair standing on end, Arjuna bowed his head to offer obeisances and with folded hands began to pray to the Supreme Lord. Arjuna said, My dear Lord Krishna, I see assembled in your body all the demigods and various other living entities. I see Brahma sitting on the lotus flower as well as Lord Shiva and all the sages and divine serpents. O Lord of the universe, O universal form, I see in your body many, many arms, bellies, mouths, and eyes, expanded everywhere, without limit. I see in you no end, no middle, and no beginning. Your form is difficult to see because of its glaring effulgence, spreading on all sides like blazing fire or the immeasurable radiance of the sun. Yet I see this glowing form everywhere, adorned with various crowns, clubs, and discs. You are the supreme primal objective. You are the ultimate resting place of all the universes. You are inexhaustible and you are the oldest. You are the maintainer of the eternal religion, the personality of Godhead. That is my opinion. You are without origin, middle or end. Your glory is unlimited. You have numberless arms and the sun and moon are your eyes. I see you with blazing fire coming forth from your mouth burning this entire universe by your own radiance. Although you are one, you spread throughout the sky and the planets and all space between. O oh, great one, seeing this wondrous and terrible form, all the planetary systems are perturbed. And actually there's, there's a little bit of a change at, at this verse because Eunice starts to see uh, Lord Krishna's influence of time within the material universe. By that influence of time, there's of course all the reactions, all the interreactions in the material world. So once the time element enters, which is Krishna himself, then things move forward and there's the complete interaction of the modes of material nature, the consequences of material action. Are experienced. If there's no time, then those consequences will never be experienced. So that element within the material universe that moves things forward is Krishna's energy as time. In these next verses, the wonder uh, that is in the verses we're reading tonight gradually changes over because the time element comes in and then Arjuna becomes overwhelmed by the universal form. At this stage up through these up to verse 20, he's overwhelmed by the wonder of seeing the universal form. And then Krishna starts to show how through his energy of time everyone is ultimately devastated within this material world. Destroyed, destruction is there. So he sees all those different stages of time birth growth maturity offspring dwindling and ultimately it all ends and the body is again and again and again so the universe also goes through these same changes but we can imagine we can't imagine that that I think is important you, it's it would be impossible for us to imagine what Arjuna is actually experiencing in seeing Krishna's universal form, and it's interesting in reading uh, the commentaries of Baladev and uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti uh, that actually I mentioned last week that the only the only only Arjuna was seeing this form. Only Arjuna on the battlefield is seeing the universal form. But actually, Krishna also gave divine eyes, we know, to Sanjaya, because Sanjaya is describing, uh, a few verses back, the vision of the universal form. And also, it's explained that the Prabhupada actually explains in his purports, the demigods also were given a given divine eyes so they could see the universal form. But the others present on the battlefield were not able to experience it. This verse tonight is very interesting because it gives us a glimpse into the different relationships in loving exchange that one experiences with the Supreme Lord. Now in the material world we also have a perverted reflection of these relationships. But we notice in the purport of the verse we chanted that Prabhupada mentions the 12 kinds of basic relationships that there are, which one can experience, of course, also with Krishna. We also experience these relationships in the material world, but we don't experience them in their, with their full spiritual purity. And therefore, what we experience here is, is it's considered a perverted reflection it's not a true representation it gives us it can give us some idea so in those relationships we understand that there are there's the five primary relationships with krishna which are neutrality someone is simply just they have they recognize the supreme lord but they don't it doesn't go beyond that they, they have a reverence they have an understanding of his opulence and his Majesty and His wonder, but they don't, their relationship with God is one simply of neutrality, passively, a passive relationship. Then we come to servitorship. The next level up is servitorship. Above servitorship is fraternity, like friends. Above that is parental affection. One can actually have a a, a sentiment of loving. The Supreme Lord is one would love their own child, their own offspring. Above parental affection is a conjugal relationship, a love and intimacy, a loving exchange with God and intimacy. And you think about that, that that's a very amazing thing. When you say, well, a loving re- relationship with God and intimacy, it's practically un- unimaginable, especially in, in, in most other religious tradition, to even conceive of such a relationship with God but it does exist but it is on the very highest level and there's a great danger in the practice of devotional service because in all the revealed scriptures all the great saintly personalities they hold in such high esteem this relationship this conjugal relationship of love with the supreme lord as the ultimate attainment so naturally our nature is if if, in the material world when we when we aspire to to uh, to anything when we have an intent to accomplish anything we generally want to go to the top of the ladder we generally want to get the best in the practice of devotional service when the great saints and sages reveal to us that the topmost relationship with the lord is one of Conjugal affection, a loving relationship like a lover, we say, well then that's for me. I want that relationship. And actually it is for you. There's nothing wrong with understanding it's for you. There is the tendency, due to our material conditioning, that we immediately want to jump to that platform. We don't want to go there gradually. We immediately want to, We want the best. And what this does is this tendency to immediately have something is more of our nature in this material world. We get instant gratification here. When we're hungry, we eat and we're satisfied. Or if we want to, whatever we want, the material nature generally can supply, can supply it in, in relatively short order. Even if you want to accomplish some great thing or be, I always like the music analogy, somebody wants to be a, a great musician or a great uh, great artist or a great doctor or a great lawyer, whatever, it's relatively, sh- the, the timeline is relatively short. I mean, when we look, 10 even a doctor, what is it, you can become a doctor in 10 or 15, 20 years. It takes some time, but still it's, it's not it's not a, a super long time we have a natural tendency to to want to immediately accomplish our goal and when we hear that the highest goal the highest relationship that one experiences with the Supreme Lord is one of conjugal affection we immediately say well that's I want that and in the practice of devotional service it's very important that although we know that's the ultimate of the ultimate and highest objective, we have to understand that attainment of that objective is its not something that comes about by our own endeavor. Our endeavor in devotional service is to rid ourselves of the tendency to exploit material nature and rid ourselves of the tendency to, to renounce. Boga and Tiaga are the Sanskrit terms that are used in this regard. Boga means I want to enjoy. I want others to to be subordinate to me or material nature. I want to exploit others for for my personal gain in the material world. There's no gain without exploitation. Everything that we do within this realm of existence for for our sustenance and for our pleasure is exploitive. That may sound pretty... Controversial. Oh my gosh, you mean everything we do here is exploitive. But this is the place where exploitation is the name of the game. Exploitation or renunciation. You will not survive till the end of the week unless you exploit. Jiva Jiva Sajiva One living entity on this plane of existence, survives at the expense of another. Everything you eat to sustain your body comes at somebody else's life. Someone dies for you to live.
1: And that's the nature of survival, isn't that?
0: Survival of the fittest. This is the world of survival. Of the fittest through exploitation. It's directly opposed to our, the spiritual reality of ourselves. It's where we're sent when we have, as an objective, (coughs) enjoyment independent of the supreme. He makes a playground. But in this playground, you live at the expense of another. In this playground, everything revolves in a way that when you enjoy, when you go to exploit others for your survival immediately you're wrapped up in the reaction of that exploitation. And that's called karma. When I eat to survive, there's a reaction to that eating. I become frustrated. Everything I do on this plane to enjoy comes with a reaction. I become frustrated, and in that frustration, what do I do? I renounce. All right, I won't eat. I won't won't exploit, therefore I won't eat. So the yogis, they eat what? They eat hardly anything. They don't want to increase the karmic reaction, the reaction to exploitation. So therefore, renunciation. So it's either exploiting or renouncing. Spiritual life starts from the platform of serving. And where are we going to serve? Who do we serve? We have to serve the master of everything. Because serving another exploiter, what good is that going to do? If I serve somebody that's on the exploiting platform, it has no significance. I'm simply increasing exploitation. So the only only place where I can place my service, which is the spiritual constituent of my existence, The only place where I can place that service, it has to be to that Supreme Personality on the spiritual platform. Of course, when we think of the Supreme Lord, he's not by himself, just like when we think of the king. When we think of a king, he also has his kingdom, he has his court, he has his family, he has his ministers. All these things are his paraphernalia. Well, the Supreme Lord also has his paraphernalia. He has his kingdom. He has his form, his personality. He has his associates. He has his emissaries in this material world. And he has his loving devotees. When we talk about service, we can serve all of those because they are all part of Krishna. They're all his various energies. So much so that if our mentality, if the intent of our activity, we've talked a lot about intent, sankalpa, if the intent of our activity is service to the Supreme, those people that are on that platform where they only see the Supreme in everything, they're serving everybody. These five basic relationships are here with the Supreme, and you would think that our nature, our nature is to, is to attain the highest in whatever we strive for. It's just our nature to try to, to rise to the top. But we have to be very careful with the practice of devotional service that we don't try to jump there in an unnatural fashion. You'll hear as you study more about devotional practice of a class of jumpers. They want to jump to the topmost platform without going step by step. In the practice of devotional service, we're given a very, very simple step by step process where we can v- advance in spiritual life. It begins with accumulation of. of Piety and spiritual activity, uh, sukriti. It moves on to the platform of developing a little faith, a little faith in the supreme, a little faith. And from the faith, we realize we come in contact with a sadhu, saintly person, who is able to kindle that faith, able to to focus that faith and faith in the proper way through giving us direction in spiritual life, bhajana kriya. Do some some activities in spirituality. And once we begin those activities, gradually our heart becomes cleansed and we can rise up. So this is a very, very scientific step-by-step process. Step-by-step we rise up until all the dirtiness of material exploitative propensities is cleansed from the heart, we can't go to a platform of steadiness and progress on. Sometimes, because of our conditioning, we think, well, let me jump immediately to that conjugal relationship. Let me immediately go there. And we have to be very, very... All the great sages and spiritual masters, they caution again and again. In fact, so much so. This relationship with the Supreme in a, in a loving relationship, a conjugal relationship, is called Madhurya Ras. The spiritual master of Srila Prabhupada who started this Krishna Consciousness movement, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami, uh, he did... His preaching in India. He didn't leave India. But he expressed that in his preaching, he spent 90% of his time talking about Madhurya Ras. 90% of his preaching was based on this conjugal relationship. What it wasn't. 90% of his preaching was to explain what is not, what is a false impression of this highest level of devotional service. In fact, he he made mention that he spent gallons of blood destroying the misconceptions of this highest of spiritual relationships with God. I'm just trying to express to you the point that we have to be very careful to not take our exploitive mentality and apply it to our spiritual practice and try to obtain something that we have yet developed proper qualification for. So simply to hear of these higher ecstatic exchanges with God, that's all right in the normal practice. But we do not spend time and dwell on it until we're invited in. It's a very sacred thing. And... There's a class of Vaishnavs who try to jump ahead. The technical terminology for those Vaishnavs is sahajiya. Uh, They're an embarrassment to the practice of pure devotional service. Their activities, their imitationism of spiritual ecstasies that they've yet not qualified themselves to experience is is an insult to the practice of devotional service and much time and energy has been spent by the bona fide spiritual masters, the authorized practitioners of devotional service to rectify the misconceptions that these imitationists have put forth in, uh, in society. So we also are willing to spend gallons of blood to, to explain devotional service as a gradual process of purification of the heart that is not to be taken lightly. It's not to be taken cheaply. This is not a cheating thing. We cannot take our exploitive cheating mentality into the realm of the Supreme Lord and, ex- and expect to have any ex- acceptance there it will not happen. So, besides these five primary primary Rosses, there are seven secondary Rosses. You notice in the port Prabhupada said twelve relationships. I've written down those secondary Rosses, just so you can uh, hear of them. So, the five primary, of course, are neutrality, servitorship, friendship, paternal, fraternity, parent to a child, and Loving exchange in conjugal Ras, Maduria Ras. The secondary Rasas are laughter, astonishment, chivalry, compassion, anger, fear, and ghastliness. The five primary and the secondary make up the twelve Rasas that Bhaktivedanta Swami has pointed out in the purport. Now we notice in the beginning of the purport that Prabhupada explains that the primary rasa between Krishna and Arjuna is one of friendship. But when the Supreme Lord at Arjuna's request displayed his universal form, then that primary rasa, rasa was superseded by the rasa of asto- rasa of astonishment or wonder. The relationship changed, is basically what's, what's said. The relationship changed. Wonder took over. And I thought I would read something so that we could have a little bit of wonder from this. We're not going to be able to see the universal form. We haven't been given the eyes here. Krishna's here but he's probably not going to manifest it at least to me i'm not qualified so uh, what i thought i would do is, is give you a little bit of wonder as to the as to the depth of the transcendental knowledge that the great sages impart to us as to the nature of ecstatic relationship with God because that in and of itself is rather wonderful. We notice at the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita that A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami presented to the Western world in English that he dedicated the book to Baladev Vidyabhushan. Since Prabhupada's written this book uh, some 45, yeah 45 Mm because this will be 2010. So forty-five years ago. Since that time, uh, we've uh, a lot of a lot of people have become proficient, a lot of our godbrothers have become proficient, and a lot of the other works and commentaries that were only available in Sanskrit have become ba- available in English. So the Bhagavad Gita of Baladev Vidyabhushan is available to us now with an English translation. In his purport to this Uh, same verse that uh, that we chanted this evening, he gives his commentary. And I wanted to read that to you just so you could get an idea of the depth that these spiritual scientists go to in explaining relationships of Rasa because this particular verse we read tonight deals primarily with Rasa. Prabhupada, in his purport, deals primarily with the concept of uh, the primary and the secondary rasas and uh, the, ch- the fact that there was a change of rasa. Now, Baladeva Vidyabhushan, in his commentary, explains the components of the wondrous rasa that Arjuna experienced. In other words, what were the different factors, the different items that came together that created Arjuna's wonder. I'll read those, and we'll try to follow them. I think more than having the ability to fully comprehend what Baladev Vidyabhushan's expressing here in this purport is the fact of being overwhelmed by the wonder of how in-depth and how much the spiritual masters and the great Acharyas have to offer us in the wealth of knowledge as we progress in spiritual life. At some time in the future, the components of rasa will become much more easily comprehended as we arise to that platform, gradually, step by step, not jumping ahead like the Sahajiya class, but going step by step. We will eventually rise to the platform of devotional service and ecstasy, Devotional service to the Supreme Lord is the broad strokes are broken down into three basic categories. Devotional service in practice, like we're doing now. We're studying together. We're chanting together. We're following some regulation. We're giving up some sinful life. We're chanting Hare Krishna. We're cleansing our hearts. So there's devotional service in practice. There's devotional service in ecstasy. After the, after the dirty things are cleansed away, we begin to taste our true spiritual nature. And there's devotional service and pure love of God. So those are the three broad categories of our progress in devotional life. So there will come a time when practice, will, will, will have, we will have cleansed our hearts sufficiently that we begin to taste spiritual emotion and that is called rasa, ecstasy. So, Baladev Vijayabhushan's commentary reads, Arjuna, who who knew Krishna, then experienced the rasa of adbhuta, that's the Sanskrit term for wonder or astonishment, adbhuta, on seeing at that time the form with a thousand heads which he understood actually existed within Krishna. He basically saw that everything, the whole universe and everything within the universe, everything within creation, everything exists in the Supreme Lord. It's his, himself and his energies that permeate everything. Looking at Krishna, who had furnished this form, he spoke, Arjuna was the conqueror of all wealth, Dhananjaya, and thus very steady." But with hair standing on, hand, on end, overcome with astonishment, after offering his respects to Krishna by touching his head to the earth, he spoke with folded hands. It is described that he did not close his eyes out of fear, but rather openly display great astonishment. The Lord in this form is the alambana, the visaya, or object invoking rasa. The Lord himself, who is displaying this form, is the object that's that's beginning that that wonder. That's the beginning of the wonder. When Arjuna looked at him again and again, the gazing became the Udha Pana, or instigation for Rasa. Offering respects and folding hands were our Anubhavas, standing of hairs on end, is the sattvika bhava. Mind overwhelmed by these elements, joy and steadiness, are sanchari bhavas. These are all different. He's explaining all the different constituents of experience through physical sensation, through seeing, through contemplating, that bring about that wonder. That wonder, that bhava, that ecstasy of wonder, which had, had superseded Arjuna's ecstasy in friendship with the Supreme Lord. Mind overwhelmed by these elements, joy and steadiness are Sanchari bhavas. By these four components, the fifth component, the Stai bhava, called Vismaya, became nourished and the five together became Adbuta Rasa. Not that we may fully comprehend what's being said by the author, but to be maybe in wonder of the glory of the teachings that let us begin to comprehend what lies ahead in devotional practice if we steadily pursue this practice under good guidance and not jumping ahead in an imitation way no matter what our platform no matter where we are situated in our devotional life no matter where how much we may still be under the influence of the Lord's material external energy even though we may still have material, Desires that, that are there still if we take to this practice under good guidance no matter what platform we're on gradually step by step if we follow with sincerity and determination we will rise to the topmost platform of devotional service in ecstasy and ultimately devotional service and pure love of God. I'll stop there. Any questions? Corrections? Additions? Yes. Could you go over again? The phone kind of cut out a little bit when you were going over the secondary Rosses, the seven? The seven secondary Rosses are as follows. Laughter... Astonishment, which is wonder. Chivalry, compassion, anger, fear, and ghastliness. More than what they are, I probably am not qualified to go into. Just understand that everything that... I don't have the necessary qualification uh, to fully explain them, but... You will see in this world p- perverted reflections of these in the five prim- primary Rosses, as what we experience experience in the material world. It's a perverted reflection. Yes, I can't understand them either, but they're amazing, aren't they? No, no, no. No
1: like I know the primary defense primary have an order?: like
0: Yes, yes. These others simply are simply there to embellish the primary rasas. The primary rasas are the primary. these others are secondary. From time to time, they make, from what I understand, from nectar of devotion, bhakti rasa, Amrita Sinda, uh, they come into our relationships with the Lord. Just like Arjuna, just like explained by Prabhupada in the purport of this verse, Arjuna's friendship was gradually superseded by the wonder of seeing Arjuna, uh, Krishna's universal form. Yes, sir.
1: Well, I was uh, at one comment and I had several questions but uh, let's comment. Uh, this tendency that of the ma- material conditioning that uh, we can we can be the most happy or the most enjoying enjoy this material world when we get the the topmost you know thing, topmost fruit or whatever the, the highest level of enjoyment. And from this perspective, looking on those rasas, we come to the conclusion that yes, I want to be in, you know, this conjugal relationship with the Lord because that's where the real nectar is those other ones they are just like you know secondary or whatever they are not so not so how to say juicy like they like the top one but uh from the spiritual perspective that's uh that's very inappropriate yes you know approach because uh when you are even in the in the servitor or servitor relationship with the lord when you serve the lord you are completely satisfied you are, you are completely fulfilled, and you don't you don't feel like you are lacking. Yes, correct.
0: Anything you know, in, in and even you know. even in even in neutrality. Yeah. Because Prahlad Maharaj is the example of, example of a relationship with God in neutrality, and Prahlad is we all take shelter of Prahlad. We'll discuss Prahlad. It's a, one devotee of the Lord and his relationship, but he was he was in neutrality. He wasn't even at the, at, the, at the platform of servitorship or friendship. But yes, I didn't make that clear, thank you. All these, when we enter into the spiritual plane, whatever your relationship with the Supreme Lord is, you'll be completely satisfied in that relationship. There are some uh, esoteric distinctions that come into play as far as Guru Parampara and our position and where we've where we've started our devotional service in this life. That's deep esoteric stuff. I don't understand. You had some question or well, more uh, comment?
1: I I don't know how to how to put it together. So maybe you can help me or just you know we can get something out of it. Uh my just like random thoughts. Uh, no, this this We see everywhere this exploitation, especially in the material world, you know, it's just like you mentioned, it's based on the exploiting another living entity. And we know that everything, everything uh, comes from the Lord. So, Krishna, you know, more or less, Krishna empowers living entity to exploit others, for their enjoyment for their survival for their whatever whatever it is Uh, and we know that origin of everything is Krishna so Krishna needs to have like complete how to say the the, you know the the biggest amount of exploitation ability Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but some or other we don't see that or you know I, I was just like thinking about any examples or or uh, where he manifests uh, this mode of, you know, in anyway, a material world, perversion of the spiritual world, but nevertheless, Krishna needs to have it, you know, and and like uh, aggression or something like that. Yeah, so
0: in exploitation, we can, we can look to uh, the 10th canto and uh, Krishna stealing the garments of the gopis. What could be more exploited? But, his, but Krishna, whenever he has a relationship with his, his devotees, even when they're being exploited, they're enjoying the highest relationship of love with him. So yes, Krishna, of course, is, is the topmost exploitive. When he's dealing with his devotees, even the topmost devotees, the gopis, he's stealing their garments, uh, you know, when they're, when they're taking bath. In a normal, from a material viewpoint, that's the most exploitive thing. To force a woman to show herself, uh, you know, very much exploitive. But when we talk of Krishna and his relationship with the devotees, it's a it's a it's a loving exchange with them, which is of the highest order. So in the material world, it's perverted; in the spiritual world, it's perfect. Now, when Krishna deals with his with those people that are inimical to him, those people that are adverse to him those people who simply want to exploit his material energy for their own enjoyment, Uh, the topmost emblem of that being Pu. Krishna also showed himself to be the most exploitive because in an instant he ripped him to pieces with the nails. Exploitation is there by the Supreme and the exploitation is experienced based on the relationship one has with the Supreme Lord. That would be the best explanation I could give as to Krishna's exploitative nature. Thank you so very much. All glories to Prabhupada.